welcome back to the Key and the Light podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from a very moody basement in Lakeview East, Chicago, Illinois. The time is set, the mood is right, it's Friday night, wait, nope, it's, it's Thursday, but... Feels like Friday. Feels like a Friday, and that right across from me is the one and only Cal O'Donnell. I'm back, baby. Did you go somewhere? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I left your house, if that... I left the house, so that's kind yeah, of important. Very much, yeah. So we are uh, we are back recording at the Keenan Lake International Recording Studios, also known as my basement, to drink and revel in the success of this high-proof bourbon from a little distillery that maybe some of you have heard of called, I believe it's pronounced Pinhook? Pinhook. Pinhook. Amazing. High-proof rye. I was going to name my dog Pinhook. Pinhook, yeah. Yeah. Because my last name is pronounced Hooky, if you didn't know. Spelling doesn't really match that pronunciation. P-I-N-N. And then named the, the dog P-I-N-N, so Pin Hook Key. But the, the in producer the vetoed that in the, pretty in, hard. In the lake. <laughs> in brackets. Pin Hook Key in the lake. But no, it's just Callum and I this evening. We uh, are surviving the Chicago winter. Um, with a gla- Not been as bad as last year. Not as bad as last year, but we. Uh, it's an interesting time of year to be selling whiskey, to be out and about in the streets. We've both been traveling a little bit, Callum, mostly for personal pleasure. Me, to spread the good word that it's Star Wars whiskey across the Midwest. I thought you were going to say something like personal disdain. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this whiskey group that's called uh, the Enthusiastic Whiskey Hobbyist. Uh Um, Sold them a single barrel, and I was designing their sticker with them today. And they're like, well... Do we want to keep enthusiastic in there? We we bought the URL of just a whiskey hobbyist, and I'm like, what are you guys, the grumpy, sullen hobbyist now? <laughs> They're like, no. I'm like, well, so you're the enthusiastic, grumpy hobby, whiskey hobbyist? Yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I like that a lot. So we'll stick with that. Paul, Although, to be to their defense, none of them were very grumpy. They were very no, they're very, very enthusiastic. They're very enthusiastic and very cheerful, and they'll be buying a lot of whiskey. I feel like that's definitely something that's maybe been lost from whiskey clubs recently. Sometimes yeah. I jump on those tastings with them and no one's enthusiastic. You know, it's like a class. Yeah, especially with the people out here in Chicago that are really whiskey hunting in clubs. Mm. <laughs> uh, just a little jab right there for anybody who's listened to our podcast in the past. But it actually brings up a really good conversation that I've been having with buyers, not just in Chicago, but um, all across the country. I mean, fortunately enough, I get to travel from my job to um to different states to different markets to sell whiskey and talk to buyers talk to whiskey clubs which some of them are great shout out to you dallas bourbon club for all you've done for me recently you guys are absolutely amazing and in places like the bourbon thieves and other clubs out there that have been great for us uh not just me as a brand but all of our friends for a brand too yeah and their brands but i've we we can go back to a podcast we did oh my gosh things are falling apart Posh takes off the tripod what do you think Give it one more go. One more go. We're going to give it one more go. Nope. No, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we did a podcast for the 12 Days of Barrel Pick. Um, I'll leave the brand name unmentioned and the club name unmentioned. Just You can probably paste it together out there if you're smart. But it really brought up a controversy between what is what is the role of the brand and what is the role of a whiskey club. And where do you have to define the line between commitment and a barrel actually sold, product actually sold? And why I bring that up is because I was just having a conversation with a different retail buyer, frequent listener of this podcast. Shout out to you, my man. And we were talking about what happens if a club says, yes, we'll buy this, but we want to buy this barrel. Um, from X distillery and we want to bring it through your retailer by law. You have to uh, go through the three tier system to buy a single barrel as a club. So you get to go through a retailer or a bar, whatever it may be to procure your barrel as a club. If you didn't know that, I'm sure all of you listeners did. So, but if you're just, if you're a club and say, Hey, we want to buy 180 balls of this single barrel from X distillery Retailer's like, great, you know, um, here's my little markup I do for taxes and for the convenience fee. And the club says, great, I agree. We'll pay that amount of money per bottle and we'll sell it out to our members. But then let's say the club backs out last minute mm-hmm. and then the retailer's left on the hook. 
Well, the repercussions from a club point of view, if you aren't a part of this industry, all you blog boys out there, and you're more of adjacent to this industry at best, what can happen to that retailer, said retailer, is they can be blackballed by that distributor Mm -hmm. to ever purchase single barrels again. Now, that might be the biggest thing for certain size distributors, but when you're talking about a Southern, talking about a breakthrough, you're talking about R&DC. They don't lose anything, really. Yeah. The distributor doesn't care. Yeah, they don't care. They'll put your name on the list and say, okay, we're fine. We'll move on from that account and never have to deal with them again because they're trouble. But from the retailer's point of view, they're fucked because not only are they buying whiskey from that retailer, not only are they buying single barrels, they're buying their whole whiskey list. They're probably buying wines. They're probably buying uh, sodas. From that distributor. Yeah, from that distributor. Probably buying beer. Probably buying cordials. They're stocking their entire store based off of a few distributors. I mean, when for anyone out there that's listening and isn't aware of the ins and outs, if you like, of the, the alcohol ins industry. The ins and outs. The outs and ins. The, the entrails and the mm. extrails. Mm. Um, but seriously, when you're talking about buying booze from a distributor, you're talking about really maybe five that can yeah. stock 95% of your store. Right. At least. Yeah. You know? And if you get blackballed by one of them, yeah. you can bet your butt that like at least fif- between 15 and 30% of the products in that store are then going to become either unavailable or hard to get for yeah. the retailer. What they'll say is basically like, oh, like, so that happened to you last month with this barrel. So you're not getting this these month. beers. You're not getting this whiskey. You're not getting this allocation anymore. And then how it affects you as a club or as a, a buyer just in that store as a customer in that store, is that, oh, you wanted that certain bottle of whiskey you've been waiting for, and you buy it from that store? Well, guess what? It might not be there anymore because your club fucked things up. So, yes, whiskey clubs are a part of this industry when it comes to sales. It's not shocking news for all you whiskey clubs out there. Not the main sole source of what we do for our business. It's just a part of it. And this is this thing, right, where... um you know, and if anyone in, in these whiskey clubs is listening, takes, wants to, you know, take up with us and chat to us, then please come to us. But I think one of the biggest things that, you know, especially in, in the retail world of alcohol, this whole thing about the customer always being right and you trying to bend over to do whatever your customers want you to do, all that sort of thing. Um, it's just, sometimes it's just not true. You know, like as someone that right. works with all three of these stores, stakeholders if you like the consumer the retailer and the distributor sometimes i'm just like the person that i side with most often is mm. the retailer yeah because the customer can go anywhere they want the distributor has got all of these different outlets right. that they can sell through and this the retailer th- yeah. is stuck between a rock and a hard place the distributor and the consumer they have to try and please everybody all the damn time you know yeah and we're not two guys sitting here massaging the backs of distributors and, cl- and applauding them for work no. they do because they make our life a living hell sometimes too. Yeah, and and that's the thing with the distributors. It's so, especially when you deal with distributors the size of ours, mm-hmm. like they're massive companies. Right. They, they don't really need to worry about the, the small fries. Right. Now, I'm and lucky in that I am... Good-looking, charming, foreign... Uh, mm. I wish I could say all of the av- all of the above, but I'm de- definitely lacking. But no, seriously, like I'm lucky that I have. You're foreign. Home. I'm foreign. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the charming looking part we're still working on, um, but I'm I'm obviously backed by a big corporate company that has a massive stake in one of these big distributors. So I have the benefit that like you know we can kind of yeah we can kind of hustle or like we can at least negotiate with those other things. But if you're a small brand. Like if you're a small craft whiskey brand and you sell a single barrel to a retailer or you try and, and the retailer says they're going to bring it on, the whiskey club pulls out last minute and then the, the distributor blackballs a retailer, then it, that the effect that that has for your brand is massive. That right. could be one of your biggest accounts. Maybe that's 20 cases. I don't know. Like right. for a small brand, that's huge, huge I, amount of profit. I know the story I was telling a couple of months ago, what would have happened with this retailer is that he would have lost... Uh, single barrels from his favorite account his favorite distillery that he's been doing now for multiple years multiple iterations of these single barrels from this one brand and that just it, it sucks for his experience with the store it sucks for his personal experience of with that distillery but it just looks bad the optics are terrible and then guess and then like 
people that came to that store every year to buy multiple single barrels of X brand or Y brand, whatever it may be, now they're punished too. The consumer on the whole end of that store is is punished. Not and it could be all the way affecting to the beer and wine section too. So with Pernod, and I, I presume the same thing works with Starward, but in with Aberlour, we talk about the last three feet, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the consumer in the retail store. But I also feel like as a retailer, there's like the last three miles almost, <laughs> right? Where like right. if you're a con- if you if you have a consumer base that lives within three miles of your store, that's probably the people that are coming to your store more often, right? Now, if you all of a sudden lose products that those consumers are consistently looking for in your store and they go somewhere else, you're going to lose that business forever Mm -hmm. because once that person realizes that this other store does always stock all of these things that you would normally provide but you can't because you're blackballed, Mm -hmm. then good riddance, man, because that'll be a massive part of your weekly business, your your consistent business that comes through the door, gone. Mm -hmm. Because once they go to this other place and the other place doesn't let them down because they're not blackballed, you lose that loyalty like that overnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that can happen at a bar, you know, whatever the thing could be. The bottle we're drinking right now, yeah, it's it's delicious. I was drinking it pre-COVID. Yeah, it was pre-COVID at a bar, my neighborhood place. And um, the bottle is like 50 bucks, something like that. Nothing crazy. But I got a pour of it probably ounce and a half pour and they charge me like $19 for it. Yeah. And you're thinking for a 50 bottle, $50 bottle of whiskey. Right. Right. Or 55, whatever it may be. Either way. Like, Even if it was 70, you shouldn't should be making ha- half your money back on one pour, one customer. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, this is interesting. And for me, I, I kind of thought of it in the context of not just a customer, but also as a rep for the industry, why, I wouldn't want my whiskey in this bar because it's not going to move. Like this bottle hasn't, I opened the bottle. It had been there for a month. It remained unopened. I was just a fan of the brand. So I wanted to drink it and I hadn't had it yet. So, $19 comes to your Yeah. Door. And you're like, fucking hell. All right. Well, that costs more than the pizza I just so 20, had. So $23 bottle after the tax and the tip. Right, 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 right. Pretty Sorry, much. $23 dram, not bottle. Yeah. I can imagine getting a cocktail with it. <laughs> but it, it just kind of goes back to the thinking more beyond just your purchase your purchase or your personal um stake with a bar with a retailer or your investment into what you what 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 your place in holding you want to be inside of this whiskey industry even if you aren't actually a part of it yeah like and let's let's look at the places that we've had personal stakes Mm. and the amount of effort time and money that we've put into those places the first one that comes to mind is a place that shot unfortunately fountainhead yeah right right? we developed a connection with them right where i i was showing up there and i didn't care how much anything was no like it literally got to that stage the the last night that they were open november 14th <laughs> or whatever 2020 the last night that they were open i think we i think both of us at least spent over 150 dollars yeah. on our on our cards and i didn't care the whole night because you develop that personal connection that loyalty right yeah and that can happen in a bar in a restaurant or in a retailer, and though that loyalty disappears, like I mean, what what would you say is your personal stake wise? Where's your biggest? Where's where's the most sort of where where are you most invested right now? You as a not as not as Star Wars Jake, but as like Jake Cookie. It's a really good question, because um, been that that line's definitely been blurred recently because. A because bars and restaurants are just opening back, back up. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but I don't. The two places I did have that personal stake in, even the third, um, without without saying names, the third was definitely a distant third, more of my neighborhood spot where I didn't sell Star Wars, so I didn't have to go in there as a Star Wars rep. I would just go in there as Jake drinking beer, having a burger, having a whiskey. Mm-hmm. And that place has gone really downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I we actually don't for anyone not for anyone not on our live webcam. Jake nodded when I pointed in a specific <laughs> direction. I love that. <laughs> Even though it was the wrong direction, but I knew what he was pointing to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Straight behind you. Straight behind you. Straight yeah, behind Walter like... Payton. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm lost. Right, but you know, it was we had but the two before that was Fountainhead and Beguile, and it's because they were very quick train rides. They're one block away from each other, essentially. Um, we started this podcast at Beguile. We can, we've continued at Fountainhead over the pandemic, but it wasn't just, we didn't have the relationship because of the podcast. We already had the relationship built in, mm-hmm. um, as a customer, then as, uh, as a brand rep with them. And then it became part of the podcast and then it became like almost 
built-in family in a way. Yeah. Whereas like every Friday, text Bob, like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. This person might come, this person might not come, but I'll be there with a microphone or two. You ready to, ready to throw down some words of wisdom? And, and we did, which was amazing and great. But now it's, I, I don't even know if I really have a, a spot yeah, where it's like a, a safe haven of just like a, a, a drinker, unfortunately. Um, I was going to say maybe now is it the place where you won the high life prizes. Yeah, but I, I, and I was thinking, yeah, is Delilah's my spot. Delilah. Because I can, I can walk there. It's Hey there, Delilah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I go there a lot. I was there yesterday. But I'm also there as a rep too. Yeah. But I also drink there as a non-rep. Yeah. Um, do you drink a lot of high life there? Um, Shout out to the High Life team. I mean, for me, personal stake has, has always been kind of sportsman's, right? Yeah. But I feel like since the pandemic and stuff as well, like that's kind of changed. The vibe mm-hmm. in there's changed, you know? Um, and not not for better or worse, you right. know? But just different in the sense that it's not, I'm not as comfortable going there as anymore. Um, And you know where I've been going kind of a lot, which is going to be really sad, but uh, Mother Hubbard's. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why? I, like, there's two pool tables. <laughs> there's two pool tables. Yeah, it's there's that. so many different TVs. And they let me watch the rugby on my laptop in there, like, so that I can have a beer and, like, you know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. But that was last, that was last year's Six Nations. Hmm. But, um, yeah, like, I feel like I don't really have that anymore. I don't, uh, when I think about personal stakes in bars. I, Do you feel like there's still that fine line of being in a bar as a rep and not taking up space for other customers? Yeah. To not and, cross. And, it, and there's definitely a time when you're in there that you think, mm, probably should go. Because it's like, it's full and they're busy mm-hmm. and you're just like, Do you know what, there's no point in being here. Yeah. And then there's the other side of that where, like, you, you're walking in somewhere and you think, oh, I'm only going to be here for 30 minutes. But then you walk in and it's really dead. And, like, there's maybe two people at the bar <laughs> and you get talking and you're like, okay, I'll stay for another 45 minutes, an hour, so that I can buy these guys a couple of whiskeys yeah. and they can have a good time, you know? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, like, where's your safe haven, where's your spot? You kind of call on, call on locally. Um, me and Stefan Kaprinsky, who is the national BA for Mr. Black, uh, who's, been on, yeah, who's been on the podcast back this past summer we actually were trying to record a podcast with my boss Dave Vitale last Friday we thought it might happen but we had to go to the airport unfortunately due to some flights and inclement weather but uh, he's evasive man that, that yeah, gentleman he is, is evasive he was, he, Dave was so excited he's like are we doing this <laughs> this is the time and we we're at this beautiful bar yeah um we we're this beautiful bar distributor in nashville but we have this uh inside joke stefan and i and my other co-worker sean who's our ba out in the west coast where uh we were in new york nashville and new york in about a three to four week period period of time and there's a great bar called mother hub or uh, mother's ruin oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and uh short for very famous as well very famous yeah uh just like party bar that has good burgers and awesome vibe great music not like a not like an amazing whiskey selection or any kind of selection of spirits but just quality good time just the opposite of a douchey bar yeah but it's like but it's always packed and lively and you know people that are like mohawks in there and like valley girls at the same time yeah and everyone's just partying and having a great time but i have like three times in a row in two different cities I was they're like let's go let's go to mother's i'm like i'm so tired i have a flight early in the morning it wouldn't go so it became a running joke of like jake you never go to mother's with me um <laughs> and then i went to both spots by myself without those two and like would yeah, text them. them yeah text them but we we were in nashville both of us this past week and went there i think three times combined and it has that neighborhood vibe it is a neighborhood bar first of all in nashville where it is in germantown and then it has just a, a good feeling where the partners actually talk to you and like, well, like, what's going on, man? Like, how you doing? Like, you visit in town, like you knew the neighborhood and it has that conversational piece that's been missing from bars pre-COVID. Um, but then obviously it's been pretty much evaporated for a lot of places during COVID and it's just, just starting to come back on some certain level. But it w- it's weird how you can find that home experience, that safe haven experience at a place that you don't even live in. I went to a spot. I think it was. Called, I think it's called. Maybe the Chicago Tower. just sucks. <laughs> I went to a spot called. I disagree. I went to the spot called the Me Bucktown too. Pub. Maybe? Yeah, 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 and it's like a little spot in the corner. I think it's Damon, Damon uh-huh. and something like mm-hmm. Damon and Armitage or something like that. And I walked in there randomly one day. I was trying to um, rent a a van 
to go and pick up a couch. I know, long story. Like, long, <laughs> yeah. long story. Was there children involved in the story? No. <laughs> no kids in the van. That's good. Um, but like I was going to, basically a buddy of mine gave me a couch and I was selling it on whatever. Um, just making a quick buck, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that finally went down, huh? Uh, yeah, it finally went down. <laughs> finally got rid of the couch. Um, I've only had it for a year. <laughs> but basically when i i couldn't couldn't get the van the van wasn't available so i was gonna have to get it the next day and i was like walking down to damon to find a divvy bike to take home oh. and i passed this pub that was on the corner like i say before and it just looked like you can't turn down a pub and, and i was walking by it and i was like oh man this looks like really cozy and homely opened the door it was like a saturday early mm-hmm. like maybe like 11 12 o'clock so it just opened obviously three dudes in there a woman uh sitting like on the far end and then the guy running the bar and i was like perfect Mm -hmm. walked in there and the three dudes that were sitting there and the women on the far corner that was where they always sat like they always sat there apparently the guy behind the bar was like tell me about them and like i sat there for like two hours (laughs) had a few ciders just like had a really really nice time there was a football game on or something or like a college football game i can't remember and and I went home after it and I remember thinking all the way home I was like man like it's been so long since I've had that experience in Chicago where I've mm-hmm. gone in somewhere and I've felt like not just this guy's the bartender but like he's also like the barman you know like he's like the guy that's like leans over the counter he's like hey man how you doing today you yeah. know and it's I definitely feel that we've lost a little bit of that. Part of it, I'm sure, is due to COVID. But I think you're right. There was a bit of pre-COVID where that was maybe lost. Yeah, we that was a big conversation we had with Bob a lot, actually, at Fountainhead. We first started recording there. was talking about that. I mean, obviously, we started recording at Fountainhead in June of 2020 um, in the midst of COVID. But he was talking about how that personal relationship was lost between the bartender um, and customer. Where it's nice to f- to hold that. I actually was I went over to um their sister bar, uh Bar and Buena. Yeah, Bar and Buena a couple weeks ago. I've never been. Oh, it's a great bar. Great I should go. Saw the Cubs win the World Series there. Nice. Yeah. Can't forget that. Apparently Bob was there too. So yeah, we didn't know each other then. We probably though. made out. We probably made out but didn't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's a picture of me looks Making I look I look more drunk than I've ever looked my entire life that night. <laughs> and I was probably sober basically by that point. Yeah. Really? Well, because it was so hard to get a beer in the bars. Because it was wild. I probably had five beers over a five-hour game, and that was it. Because everybody was just like, get me more. Yeah, and then we went, um, all the bars around Wrigley went there after the game, and they are all obviously packed, so they weren't taking in people, and they still had to close at two, because it was a, white, a weeknight, and so we were, we were standing outside one of my neighborhood bars, neighborhood bars, going back to that, that I used to hang out at Wrigleyville called Redmond's, that's shut down since COVID, and... Um, I used to watch Iowa games there, and I was, we were standing in line like at one thirty. We're like, I think we're gonna get in. We're like next in line, and they're like, we can't let any more people in. Like, Jesus, and I was like yeah. standing there. I'm like, I'm like, how many you got? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know those bums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my wife. <laughs> let me in. Yeah. I just want a beer. Girlfriend, whatever she was back at the time. Um, it's funny that to bring that up. But yeah, Bob and I were in mean, Bar and Bueno. Um, uh, uh, Mike Donnelly, who used to work at Fountainhead, he mm-hmm. was. Pending bar over at the Bob, um, or Bar and Buena, not to be confused with Bob Zacharias, the Bob. <laughs> uh, but we were talking, and it was just nice to hang out and talk with a bartender behind the bar and have that personal connection. And you know, obviously, COVID has made that feel a little bit more odd. I think the mask thing has definitely perpetuated that. I think people, well, the the mask times the music, and you're not at the bar as much anymore. Right, right. You know, all those things are all affecting it. Right, but like I was at Attaboy, and we were talking before we turned the mics on, and I, uh, great had, bar, yeah, great bar, historic bar. <laughs> we were great bar. We uh, we had like a cocktail or two. Um, it was pretty late. It was our first night in Nashville. Stefan and I, and but we we knew one of the bartenders that was already working there. Um, got really friendly with a guy we had just met that evening who was behind the bar, and we probably talked for like an hour and a half and didn't drink. We drank soda water and we just sat till like two o'clock in the shooting morning, shooting the shit, shooting the shit, and like he just didn't care about anybody else around him because because he was just talking to us, you know. Maybe it's because we're industry guys, maybe because we're just charming, you know, beautiful Good looking and foreign, yeah. foreign, yeah. <laughs> Both Australian, uh, <laughs> but it was nice to have that, and it wasn't it. What you didn't feel like you were obligated to order another drink, and that's what I really felt during before COVID was this persistence to keep ordering, and it was really bothering me actually going out in Chicago, 
leading up to COVID where if your beer was, you know, 70% gone, they're like, you need another one? It's like, I, I'm okay right now. Like, I don't need to have like another one to replace, another full one to replace my other pint right away. Yeah. I can take some time in between those drinks. And maybe that's, it's been a grown conscientious decision between people uh, all across the city or all across the world for that matter to not keep force feeding alcohol down their patrons throats. And because we've had this time to reflect on health. Do you think that mysticism has gone a little bit as well? Like, mm. you know, we've, I mean, we've waxed lyrical in, in the past of the beauties of bars. Mm-hmm. You know, we love the, and I think both of us are guilty of romanticizing bars. You know, yeah, I yeah. love, I love a good bar. I love a good live music. Seamus McCaffrey's baby. Like I love it all. Right. But, um, do you think some of that's gone after COVID for you? Like, it's yeah. not the same because it's de- that's definitely the way that I feel like and for anyone that's listening in obviously everybody knows that I love a, I love a good bevy or whatever but hmm. I've kind of taken apart from this rye and a crazy <laughs> wedding weekend in Mexico naturally I've not been drinking this new year right and like that's also really affected me like now going into bars as a sober person I feel that I, now I'm probably at the best stage of I, I'll ever be to judge how good a bar is because if I'm having fun mm-hmm. if I can go mm-hmm. somewhere and have fun and I'm sober and I'm with a bunch of drunks then I know that it's a good spot right I think I, it's I think it's twofold for me um, started off as with the approach of what's happening professionally with me and my company is that we're putting that focus back into bars back into the on-premise mm. so I spend a lot of times, a lot of evenings, Tuesday through Friday, out at bars, hanging out, drinking, trying to either build a relationship with a non-existing account into an account, into an account, or go into an existing account and better that relationship. Yeah. So there is drinking involved with that, and the unfortunate part of it, where it kind of gets in that twofold part of it, is. As a small brand or as a relatively unknown brand in America, you have to drink your own product. It's a dirty little secret of the industry that you dr- you move. There's that too. I mean, we've had some great musical references tonight. But when you're a small brand, you go in and you drink your product. And mm-hmm. people don't necessarily know that's how you kind of start moving the dial, uh, if you will, and moving the bottle, the depleting the bottle uh, at the same time. And it's not about going in drinking and not talking to anybody. It's about going in and drinking and then hopefully someone next to you is like, oh, what's that guy ordering? Conversation ensues. Start talking about people with the people around you. Hopefully build that uh, that whiskey or whatever your product is into a cocktail menu. And that way you can start moving product and people see, oh, like you see Star Wars on a cocktail. You see Abelard on a cocktail. You see whatever on a cocktail. Not Castle and Key. Um, and Union horse, maybe Union horse, <laughs> Union horse rye. Yeah, some around here somewhere. Um, and that's the way you start drawing eyes to your brand, and you don't have to start drinking it as much. But it's it's um, it's difficult to turn that off because so much of your focus is going to bars and hanging out, drinking, having conversation, and it's definitely doable as you're, you know, a shining monument of it all right now about going into bars and not drinking i was with you a couple weeks ago and we were at a neighborhood bar close to me which actually was a great time and we dominated the pool table and took some money from people some people that we didn't ask for well hold on a second like that was one of the weirdest interactions we've ever had because yeah, yeah. we were we paid five bucks for six games of pool yeah we put five dollars in six yeah. games of pool we got on to game number two or three, ladies and gentlemen, and these two guys come up to us, absolute sharks. They look like they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're pl- they're striking the ball really well. I don't know what happened to you and I, but we turned into absolute killers. Do you think they were trying to slow play us? Yeah, I think they were trying to hustle and, us. And they lost money? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the first time, I think we beat them the first time, and the second yeah. time they were like, right, we're playing for money. And I was like, oh, in Scotland, we don't play for money. Like, basically Is that said, true? No, of course not. I just, mm. I'm cheap as fuck. I don't want to lose my money. Right. And so he's like, yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely, we're, we're going to play for this $20, man. And I remember you were like, I got $20 if you want to do it. Like, yeah. And I was like, I, okay. I surprisingly had cash on me for one time. Yeah. And then we beat them. And I was like, man, it's fine. The pride's fine. But he forced you to take that. Yeah, he, <laughs> he put it in like, my pocket. He literally yeah, he put forced it in my shirt pocket. pocket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a weird situation. Yeah, it was weird, but that was a good time. Like you know, like and I think I had two beers that entire night. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember, remember where we were before then, but we were at Storyville. 
Oh, yeah, which is really good bar. If anyone's not been there yet, uh, it's just around the corner from um, Etta, River North. Yeah, it's on Clark. Yeah. Um, and it's, is it Clark? Is it LaSalle or Clark? Maybe LaSalle. It's LaSalle. Yeah. It's on LaSalle. And, um, in River North. But they're very, very cool bar. They do great um, New Orleans like fried food. food. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got the downstairs, right? Right. Which is cool. Yeah, speakeasy down there. Lulu something. Dino. Lola Ray. Lola Ray. My little Ebola. Lola Ray. Yeah. Lola, my little Ebola. But no, I, I, that, you're totally right, though. I think it's, for me especially right now, it's easier for me to get into that swing of being like, okay, I can really look at a bar as to how it is. Because when before, when you have a couple of drinks or whatever, mm-hmm. if, you've got a good comp- if you've got a good company and the yeah. drinks are flowing, you're going to have a great time anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, but that's the thing for me now. I'm thinking has has it lost its sheen a little bit? Like there aren't as many bars that kind of fill me with that. Like before, Sportsman's was definitely one of them. Like where people were like, "Oh, let's go for a drink at Sportsman's." And I, I don't know what was wrong with me, but physically, I couldn't say no. Like <laughs> I would in my in my head, I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to say." <laughs> He's no. not joking. And I, and I would start to mouth the words no, and it would be like, "Yes." And it would just slip out of me. But now that's that's not quite the same. So Yeah, dry hop used to be that way for me back in... I mean, this is probably even pre-COVID before. I just... Whenever somebody in the neighborhood would be like, hey, let's go... Uh, like when Cousin Pete was living in the neighborhood. Mm. Oh, you missed those days. <laughs> you just missed those days. Those and are, now he's living in the middle of Iowa with a barbell in his basement. Yeah, it's true. And a beautiful dog. And Great a beautiful dog. baby. And a beautiful wife. Yeah. Shame about him. And a beautiful house. Yeah, lots of beauty in his life. Lots of beauty. Except for when he looks in the mirror. Treacherous. Charming. I, I did get a te- Handsome speak, and foreign. Speaking of Cousin Pete, his mother, Aunt Gina, um, texted me a picture of her, Brittany, and my mom together in Florida the other day, and I was like, what, what's happening? Wait a minute, where's my invite? Where's my invite? <laughs> <laughs> Aunt Gina surely has more things to insult me about. Come Apparently on. she bought shots for the bars. The bar a couple times. Oh, a classic. Classic Angina. Classic Angina. Not sure what that was, but um, hopefully the microphones didn't pick it up. But yeah, like Dry Hop used to be like, hey, let's go out for a drink. And I'd be like, let's go to Dry Hop. And be like, well, I don't want to pay like $6 for an IPA. Like, let's just go somewhere else right now. But like, it's the best atmosphere in the neighborhood mm-hmm. for me. That's where I found it too. The charm for it to be. And now it's just, there's just like nothing that really. There's great bars. It's maybe it's just the distance between them. What about all top three all-time United States bars that you would look back and think, "Fuck the atmosphere." Seamus McCaffrey's downtown Phoenix. Never been. Yeah. Um. Actually, my coworker. I told him to go there tonight, so he might be there right now. We should call him. Yeah, we should. Sean, call us up. Uh, it's just this fucking great Irish pub in downtown Phoenix, like legit Irish pub. Um, bartenders still wear a shirt and a tie and khakis, but like Cole style where nothing is like that great looking, but everything's a very, everybody looks scruffy, but they're all in a shirt and a tie. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. One of those bars where probably, I said this before on the podcast, um, you leave a good tip and underneath your seat is a little, uh, little hit of the Mary Jane. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Good, good, good scotch selection. Good single malt selection. Um, Better Mary Jane collection. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) No, it's all right. It's good. Um, but yeah, it was one of those places where every time you came back, you felt like a local. Yeah. Um, for me, I I would definitely I don't know if any this is any order, but Fountainhead was definitely up there. Uh, All timer. Right. That was I, that's on my list. I think just because of that last summer we had there, so much time was spent there. Um, there was that feeling on the Friday afternoon. Right, right. At like two or three, we'd all done our calls. Right. Everybody was sorted, and then we would all show up there, and it was like. Okay. Yeah, in the spirits industry, Friday afternoons are pretty quiet for the most part, but during COVID, they're even more quiet. So we were all pretty much wrapped up by 2 p.m. Um, for our weeks most of the time, and we just go there and record a podcast and make a new friend with a guest who's on the podcast and have a really good have a really good drink, good e- dinner. Yeah, and muscles. A lot of times we would leave, you know, a lot of times by like 5:30 when the guests were coming in. Yeah, but we wouldn't even stay that long. But it was always a great time and. If Brittany and my wife called and asked, like, hey, where are you? Like, I found head. Do you want to come, like, have a burger? It's like, yeah. And an automatic yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that was definitely definitely up there. So you got Seamus McCaffrey's. Downtown Phoenix. Downtown Phoenix. Uh, up Uptown or Old Town, Chicago. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, Ravenswood neighborhood. Ravenswood. Yeah. Just to keep it consistent of to kind of track my uh, my voyage through this world. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's still there, but it's very different. And you have actually been to this bar. Uh, it's a little spot in downtown Des Moines. I knew this was coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called the Royal Mile. Uh huh. It it's different to it's a little more of a corporate. I had I had three in my head. I had uh, this one obviously the Royal Mile. Yeah. I had the High Life Lounge or yeah. or Iowa Sport in Iowa City. Oh yeah, that's a great spot. Um, by my let uh George's George's. I don't say Larry's. Um, yeah, because I was gonna say Danny's, but <laughs> <laughs> it's Danny's. It's Danny's, and it's the bar now that, uh, um, yeah, but, um, Paul Walker works at <laughs> Larry's. <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah, the, great spots. But the Royal Mile, it actually reminds me of the story you were telling before we turned the podcast on about uh, Dead Rabbit. How there's a two different bars, because mm. um, the upstairs bar of the Royal Mile, I don't know if it still is. I've been in years. Was a Trappist. Are you Ben? It was when I was yeah, there. Yeah, and like, and I was way too young to appreciate this. Like, what the hell? And why this existed in downtown Des Moines of all places? But it's like amazing Belgium, Belgium style beer hall. Um, and it felt like you're in Europe. Like now, actually being over to Belgium, being over to Germany, being over to the Netherlands, like that's more of an of a vibe of Europe than you could ever imagine being anywhere else in the United States. But then downstairs, like this amazing single malt selection. All these uh, great beers from overseas, like Fuller's ESB, one of my favorite beers of all time. Guinness's flowing like crazy. Absolutely. They didn't sell, I think like Coors Light was the only light American beer they sold. Maybe other than like any American style beer, other than local craft options and some other, uh, other like 312 was popular back then um, across the Midwest. But a great place to hang out, watch soccer. I spent the 2010 World Cup uh, way too many early mornings there at 9 a.m. before they even opened and drinking coffee and then drinking Amstel Lights. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had this feel of like a, the charm of an English pub and a Trappist Monk um, Belgian beer bar upstairs that you could really explore uh, the styles of beer across Europe there. And there's always just a good neighborhood spot. When we'd be downtown and you know, clubbing in Des Moines, whatever that may maintain, uh, <laughs> or, um, this is kind of a weird term, but I've been wearing skinny jeans many, many, many years of my life. And in 2007, 2008 in Des Moines, Iowa, wearing skinny jeans and American apparel V-neck shirt required you to be called uh, queer, gay, fag, homo all across the downtown. But it, so it became like back to this nice word we're using as a safe haven was going into uh, the Royal Mile because all people were, yeah, I didn't give a fuck. All the guys that worked there were like in punk bands. They had full like sleeve tattoos. You know, just cool dudes, cool cool women that worked there as well. And it was that part of the town where uh, all the misfits could go. But yeah. the misfits could go with good good taste. Yeah. And so it'd be like people that would be wearing, you know, like a unstructured blazer and you know a button-down shirt but had like style to them wasn't just like a corporate suit it was more like the the layback kind of guys that had experienced the world and come and have a little slice of a different part of the world but in downtown des moines yeah i I was definitely one that you know i I think royal mile would definitely be up there i love the high life lounge i thought george's was superb as well yeah um, i can't believe you liked it as much as uh, i just like i think part of it as well was like i was like oh how much will these high life speak? that was you know? great and because uh, obviously six dollars for high life in chicago five dollars in like a really divey spot is typical yeah so i think i was thinking it would be along those lines and it came up and it was like three bucks a ball it's like 22 dollars for a bill <laughs> yeah like the, the we were there for like a good two hours and the bill came at 22 bucks i remember you're like i'm like what does he think these beers are gonna cost you're like you're like, because we were both, he was just wondering, Callum was just wondering, like, what's a dive bar in Iowa City cost for a beer? Not like, not that he was being cheap or anything, like his traditional Scottish sense might point in that direction. Well, I probably was being cheap, but we... No, no, no. You're just like, you're like, what do these beers cost in Iowa City? I'm like, I, I here could cost $3, cost $6. I don't really know. And you're like, 
it got to be at least $5. I'm like, ah, that seems pretty high. And it was like three twenty, like three twenty a beer, too. It was like some, like beer some weird odd number. And it was a bottle of beer. Yeah, like it some was, weird odd number. It wasn't like over the top. So. No. no. Um, Which is, I think, all three bars I'm describing, too, are pretty much like, very similar to one another as well. I, I think, like, you've already mentioned Fountainheads, you know, mm-hmm. so I can't say that one. But it was so good, you know. It was so, so good being there on yeah. Friday afternoons, especially when you were like, you had you'd had other things going on in your life that week or whatever and it was just like oh for those four or five hours we can all just get together a bunch of industry people or a bunch of people yeah. coming on the pod and just like shooting the shit um and then there was the culmination of when they closed and stuff it was just a really special time so that was a great part yeah but very rare um rooftop in a neighborhood bar spot as well to have like the on roof the corner to- yeah Montrose as well, you know, it's up there. Yeah, I'm, it's a nice spot. You can see the city. Unfortunately, I think the only there's the only business to be able to take over that space would be like a corporate place, like the Olive Garden or something. <laughs> yeah, where because yeah, of the rain would have been wild. I yeah, presume. we'll leave it at that though. Um, but yeah, so for me, I definitely think there's a bar just right, like down on Chicago Avenue, California, Chicago and California. Mm-hmm. It's called the Continental. Really, it's open till five a.m. So I'm until 5 a.m. And so, like, if I'm really battered, and I went through a period of going there all the time because I was like, "Did you? Yeah, I was going there like I was going there like maybe once a week after doing account visits or whatever. It'd be like recently. Yeah, one in the morning. I swear I got my laptop stolen. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, I didn't know you ever went there until that night. No, no. So before that, I was going all the time. Okay. Um, they have a pool table up the stairs, and like, but everyone there was super nice. The mm. uh, atmosphere was always nice until my laptop was stolen. Um, so that's a spot that I think would, would be really, really good. Real rocker bar. You mm-hmm. know, they don't, like, all the music's pure rock. Like, mm-hmm. everybody in there is like, you're lucky if you see anything lighter than a dark gray shirt <laughs> on anybody at any stage. Um, so that's definitely one. Uh, and then there's a couple of bars um, in New York. I really love the downstairs of the Dead Rabbit, like I was saying before. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some New York bars, yeah. Um, and then there's another bar on Second Avenue. What's it called again? Anyway, I'll, I'll remember it in a bit. But um, those ones were always super, super special because you visit in New York and you have that haunt that you go to, and they remember you because you always go there. Mm-hmm. And then there's one spot in Edinburgh um, that I really like called the Tron. The Tron. The Tron. It's just off the Royal Mile. If anybody ever goes there, um, I couldn't really go there when I was a student because I was so broke. But now, whenever I go back, I try and get a pint there. It's a yeah. decent spot. Pool table downstairs. That's always a big, big thing for me. The it pool is. Table. Yeah. We go to Jake's down the street and play some pool. Jake's. Oh, speaking of Jake's, because last year we went there on our anniversary show. What are we going to do for that? I think I'm going to be out of town. <gasps> no. No, I will not. No, I will be in town. My my work trip to Dallas got changed to the week after. I was just telling about that before. Be very careful. Yeah. So uh, your work trip cannot coincide with the no. I, I will be in town. So February twenty fourth, we're live streaming it, baby. <laughs> Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> we'll be in the green room. <laughs> Which I don't understand why green room is working. But what was that other app uh, uh, that launched over COVID? Ah, oh, yeah. Um, and everyone's like, this is the next big thing. And it's like a month later, no one It was it. the radio thing. Yeah. It's oh, the same thing as Green God. Room, but it wasn't on Spotify. Oh, that's how lame it was. It yeah. just turned into, I guess. Oh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, I can't think of it. I don't... Because you were like, we should do this. We're gonna, we could be huge on it. <laughs> um, The the bar that I was thinking of on Second Avenue, it's called Jukes. Juke. Juke Bar. Really, really good bar. In New York? Yeah, Second Ave. Huh. Um... It run by a couple of Irish boys. They were just mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of them, he'd done the typical, flown over on a tourist visa, met an American girl, married her. That was years and years ago. They're still together. Oh, still together. Yeah, wow, what a love story. Good for him. Good for him. Good yeah, for him. New York definitely has that. There's there's a really great place. If I lived in east side of Nashville, I think Attaboy actually owns it. It's called Lakeside great Lounge. <laughs> uh, it's right across the alley from Attaboy, actually. Um, but it's just like... There's like four or five pool tables, darts, um, old school. Like it looks like the size of a honky tonk, but it's just converted into like a dive bar, a giant dive bar. No, I I can't do these uh, darts boards that are like the plastic ones. Yeah, like it has to be cork or nothing. I have to feel like I can hurt somebody with it. Yeah, and in case things go, 
case somebody beats you that's not supposed to, you can kill them on site. Yeah. Got him. Got him real good. <laughs> Throwing a couple of shurikens at you. Um, I've been trained by Raza Ghoul. The a Batman reference. I love that. I'm Batman. Uh, new new Batman's coming out soon, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your eyes peeled. Robert Pattinson. Probably going to be shit. Aren't they sponsoring the podcast? Uh, no, but High Life. Oxford but, uh, United. Uh, Oxford United. Uh, <laughs> who are we playing this weekend? <laughs> uh, I In my rec league on Monday nights, this is completely unrelated to alcohol, but in my rec league on Monday nights, uh, one of the referees is a big soccer fan. Mm. Big, big soccer Makes fan. sense. And I gave him an Oxford United uh, jersey. You gave him one? I gave him one. Wow. Uh, the second week. And so every call has gone your way since. <laughs> Literally, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting calls left and fucking right from this guy. What position do you play in your record? I'm a point guard. Point guard, shooting guard. Oh, your basketball league? Yeah. Oh, I think meant soccer. No. Soccer. Soccer. Uh, nah, nah. Um, basketball. Mm. Congratulations. They're playing basketball. Anyway. Hmm. Any, uh... Any big change you've seen in this year to the industry compared to what it was doing at the end of the year in 2021? Um, yeah, and it's something that we talked a little bit about. Mm. Uh, and we've talked about it before in the pod, but this... More live nudes. Yes, mm. which obviously I'm completely invested in. But it's there's really been this kind of push towards... Um, there's really been a push towards, or over COVID, it was like, let's go full on off trade. Everything's got to be retail. Everything's got to be like mm-hmm. supermarkets, liquor stores, blah, 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 blah. And now I feel like I feel like it's coming back full circle again. Yeah. You know, there's that real focus on like- The old adage of building a brand. Building a brand, selling a brand. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I'm starting to see more of. Like we were getting towards the stage where it was just like all that mattered was the off premise. And now everything's coming back and people are like, wait a minute, we can't just survive in the off premise. We have to build a brand in the on. And right. I'm seeing that in all of our communications with Perno and stuff. That's that's really obvious. The other the other thing that I've really seen a lot of is like, and this has been something that um, whatever she doing up there. What is the dog doing up there? Little Lola Ray. Um, Lola Ebola. <laughs> so there's also been this thing with with like really looking at data and like mm. um, days that people buy and you know huh. all that sort of thing. Where I wasn't really privy to that before, but now that. Uh, obviously, with the brand lead for Aberlour leaving in December, um, onto bigger and better things. Yes, I did step down. Yeah, <laughs> that position's still vacant. If you want to come back, um, <laughs> onto bigger and better things. But it's out there for all you blog boys. <laughs> he was. He basically said to me, "Look, you can, you know, on the way out, he was like, you should step in and do some of the stuff." So I've been doing that, and looking at the data, and that's been really interesting. Huh. And especially from the sense of like how different even in the same category the same spirit uh but just two slightly different brands right. the data changes so much depending on the market that's done and uh, where it's sold what time of year it's sold what time hmm. of year you do your market and all that sort of stuff so that's been something that i've been privy to um but you know i'm not really 100 percent sure how, how much that's changed but so you're an analytics guy now i'm data analytics man yeah uh if brooklyn nets or the 76ers are listening daryl morey if i you was want wondering analytics yeah guy, so you can go like a gm position if you need a data guy, give me a call. A data guy that can hit free throws, I'm your man. Are you a money ball guy? I'm your man. It's interesting. No, that's why I've never even thought about that. But you're definitely right where we're kind of going back to that traditional style, building a brand on the on-trade. Is that what you're seeing, though? Do you see the same thing? Because I feel like yeah. we had that big lull, and now it's like, oh, guys, like don't forget. Yeah, I definitely. Is it five accounts a day? Right, yeah, right. Um, my days have pretty much been dedicated to one day in off-premise and three days to the on, I would say. And then, you know, obviously a little admin work and that kind of stuff. One thing I've seen that's consistently been built, I think it's been not built over the last couple of years because of COVID. I'm not sure what she's doing up there. Um, <laughs> but uh, my wife, that is. Uh, <laughs> she came back early. She's back from Florida. But, oh. That was a little yip there. A little yip. Um Single barrels are still big. Obviously, they were big before COVID. They, I think they were emphasized over COVID. 
but are still pulling through really well for brands and still a way of developing an, a brand, a new brand, an old brand, and bringing you back to that core audience, which is really interesting. But I've also seen, not just through us as brand representatives and as people in the business, spending less time in the virtual space, mm. but just people in general. Like there's less stories. Maybe it's the algorithm, but from what I viewed, um, people are doing less Instagram lives. <laughs> the cat might be dead up there. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a puppy husky for anybody who doesn't know, and she's been roaming around. We can hear the footsteps upstairs as we're in my, my basement recording. Um, <laughs> but I, I think people are just... Uh, they spent a lot of time online the last 21, 22 months and they're ready for a different experience. And that different experience is going back out to being a real human being. I know I've personally been trying to stay less offline, dedicating way less time to that space. And uh, sorry for anybody having returned messages to, um, I still try to do that as well as possible, but at the same time, just kind of like, I don't know, like life is out there to be had in a real, a real place. And I think I'm scared of what we're doing as human beings, spending so much time dedicated to our phones and our laptops and seeing how we're physically changing as human beings, but especially how we're changing mentally um, yeah. as people. So like it's, it just, it, I, I get so sickened about how you go out to a bar or restaurant, you see a table, everybody's on their phones. Um, I'm super hyper aware of that now, even more than I was before. Um, and it's not dedicating um, your time to that person who's across from you and that experience of me across from you. I'm guilty of it just like anybody else. But at the same time, I think when it comes relates to the whiskey industry, the spirits industry, I think there's just, there's less, there's less space there, but I don't think it should be an abandoned space, which you obviously, we had a lot of conversations about um, involving Chris Urban bourbonist, uh, Noah track formerly of Pernod, um and so many other people that came on this podcast over the last couple of years. But at the same time, I think the industry is getting back to its roots, which it's really sad for the blog boys to lose their, their gripping there. Cause it's amazing how many times I like, I, when I do see things online and I will casually drop into a podcast and you hear them forecasting the industry that they're not actually working in. And then you go out into the, your daily job the next day. And it's like, yeah, everything you just said is completely wrong. Can I just shout someone out here yeah. who is representing us in this sense so well yeah. in the, on the online digital community? Taylor Cope. Yeah. He is going always after has. the blog boys. Right? Yeah, always <laughs> he kind of has. Yeah. Right now, I don't know what's happened, but his Twitter, Taylor, I don't I doubt Okay, saying. I haven't seen this, yeah. But Taylor has been lighting it up recently. Really? Yeah, lighting it up. Um, he's really going after them. So good for you, man. What's um, he been, can you give me a reference? Oh, I, you know, I I can check here. Yeah, um, please in do. The, in the irony of not checking my phone, let me just rock on. Check my phone. And get to Taylor. Taylor but Cope, previous been, uh, guest of the Keen Lake podcast. Yeah, and just all round legendary guy, writes for malt.com. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, we definitely would have had him on more, but he moved over to Michigan, I believe. Yeah. So there's one of the memes that he posted that's just basically saying, so me and the rest of the guys in Northwest Indiana, Bourbon Mafia, actually got to pick this barrel. It's four years old, but it drinks like a 15-year-old. And it's like a bald guy with a beard <laughs> trying to talk to a really hot blonde. <laughs> nice. And I was like, God damn, Taylor's attacking everybody left and right here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very uh, peculiar how people view everything they do as hyper-important. Um, a whiskey is just a whiskey, and... It kind of relates to this whole. Have you have you seen the documentary? I think it's on Netflix. Uh, also, I've been I was kind of following it through podcasts and news about the uh, this Lost Da Vinci painting. They thought what well, they they think it's a Lost Da Vinci painting, and it sold for like four hundred and fifty million dollars um, to one of the Saudi guys. And it's like, yeah, like living <laughs> one of the Saudi guys. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Um, he probably owns a football team a part somewhere. Of Piff. A part of Newcastle's Piff. Yeah, I was gonna say probably owns like probably owns a part of Newcastle yeah. somewhere. Uh, I can't remember his name. Whatever, one of the princes or kings. Um, I'll, I'll yeah, it's on his yacht. Like the yacht costs as much as like the painting does. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but it's it's a really interesting story about how you can't eat the painting, you can't swim on it. They think it was da, da Vinci that was like then painted over, and then this artist, modern artist, put put it back. They like cleaned the painting, and then she put it back together. Oh wow! But then it's like, what do you really have? Do you have the painting of Da Vinci, if it is Da Vinci, or do you have a painting of this person who is a very talented artist that put it together? Mm. And it, it actually relates back to another art piece. Um. That was a part of a, oh gosh, it was a um, a lost Picasso or was it early Picasso? Was it early Picasso? Van Gogh? It was an early Van Gogh just drawing that he did very early on his career and it's been passed around. I think it was now in um, uh, art gallery in Indiana by Butler University, but it was all about this faint praise about is this is this a really good painting or is it a painting done by a very popular artist? Yeah. And it puts into a context of when it related back to this whiskey industry, like are you buying that whiskey because it's you really whiskey? enjoy it uh. or because you want people to know you have it? Yeah. Is it, a, good, is it a whiskey by status. a really good proprietor? Yeah, yeah. Or supplier or right. maker or whatever. It's like these guys that like tag me in these posts about like these fucking, like every day it's Weller and this and that. And like, do you drink these fucking whiskeys? They're all unopened. Like, and then put it in context, I brought, I mean, I hate bringing it back to my brand, but I bought a nice bottle as a gift to Peter Kim over at Franklin Room last night. Great guy. Great guy. Drink it, Franklin, baby. Drink it, Franklin Room. Get a cocktail to my Peter, and you will not be wrong at all. You, whatever you order, it'll be amazing. And I brought him this little reserve bottle that we're, we're giving away as gifts you know, to our top accounts and friends of the brand, and no one's done this. He's the only person that's done what I'm about to say. Give it to him, and he goes... Let's drink this right now. Pops it open, pours it for me, pours one for himself, pours one for Dr. Stegerda, that was with me, um, and two of the other guests that were there. The man himself. Yeah. And like nobody, everyone's like, oh my God, I have a bottle of whiskey with my name on it. Because we put their names on it, whatever. Yeah. And you're like, they, I, I assume they drink it. People always tell me like, oh, I had it. It's really good. But no one's just like pops it open right there, especially behind the bar, drink service, um, you know, bar just open, getting busy. And he's like, Let's enjoy it. Yeah, obviously appreciate it. Yeah, you appreciate it. And I just hope you're out there drinking things you appreciate, people. Yeah, I mean, if... I hope you're naked. <sighs> like us. <laughs> <laughs> the truth has come out. <laughs> we, there's been some nice mood lighting here, ladies and gentlemen, over the course of this podcast. We had some pin hook. because we we're naked. <laughs> Sean Joseph's effect on us. I mean, it's <laughs> just amazing. The amount of podcasts that we do naked, you guys wouldn't... Do you know what? You wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised. I was going to say you guys wouldn't believe Every it. Every time I mention Pinhook in a podcast, we're naked. 99% of the time. Right. I was actually texting with Sean how uh, I had turned a couple... Cal- Northern California, Central Coast California red wine drinkers into fans of Pinhook, mm-hmm. where they went and bought the last three vintages of the bourbon <laughs> one weekend. And he's like, that's pretty hard to do. And I sit back and think like, and so I text my friend. I'm like, hey, like I told the owner of, of Pinhook that you guys really like his stuff. He's like, what do you mean you told the owner? I'm like, oh, like he, I, I know him. He's a nice really guy. And it's kind of weird that we like know these people. Like, <laughs> Sean's I, our guy though. Yeah. But like, you know, like, and then you put it, think about like, oh yeah, well like Graham is your boss technically. And then like my boss started a distillery 15 years ago. Now it's na- an international brand. So it shouldn't be a surprise, but when you use other brands that we're not actually working for or repping, you're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. We're friends with them. Well, the dancing goat, they're our boys. No, they're enemies. <laughs> Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs> Speaking of that, we'll kind of wrap it up here. Um, somehow we've been talking for an hour. I'm not really sure how. But uh, Wisconsin Whiskey Festival in September. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Now, I think we're technically a sponsor. I haven't paid any money to be a sponsor. In the lake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing we gotta go. We're gonna have a stall, we're, ladies we're, and gentlemen. We are. <laughs> are we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing live podcasts from the festival. Getting um, guests on. That would be that would be brilliant. Nick Brady Mossel is co-host with us all festival. Oh my god, that's gonna be the most sober weekend ever. Also, um, speaking of Nick Brady Moss. I have been approached by the beer seller to replicate um, or to do again. The World Whiskey Day. World Whiskey Day. Uh, May, I think it's May 21st this year. Was we it May did, 25th last year? I think it was the 16th. 
whatever. I don't know. That day was a very long day. Um, it but, lasted the whole month of May. You're right. <laughs> but we did last year on World Whiskey Day, we did a virtual tasting with six brands, two of which were ourselves, um, our own brands, where we had a one ounce sample of six different brands from across the world of various different styles of whiskey. And we interviewed a person from each distillery, anywhere from master distillers, master blenders, founders, brand representatives, and we even interviewed myself. <laughs> I, I, impersonating David Talley. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, we're thinking of doing it again. Um, it might cost you a little money this year. By a little money, I mean 15 to $20. Your postage. Yeah, pretty much. Where, where we've been more silent on the platform, virtual platform, this year as Keena Lake, not doing the tastings we did last year was because we had the money allocated to, from our brands to do so. And unfortunately, some brands have been caught, caught, if you will, sending whiskey through the mail. Um, yeah, right back at you. Uh, and we've had some problems out there, which come from all of you dumbass blog boys out there that have ruined my virtual experience because you complain about getting free whiskey to my brand, blah, blah, blah. Thank you a lot. Your name's Diego. Go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Diego. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, yeah, it was really, it was really great. Like our brands were like, Hey, like your podcast is fine. It's cool. But go out there and share the good word and you can use that budget to do virtual teachings. So we did both of our brands and then Wilson who, may be on this podcast still not really sure according to his bio on instagram he's still co-host this podcast <laughs> but uh we were able to do it that way this year things have changed but we would love to do a virtual world whiskey day experience my thought this year would be to do a friends of star Wars tasting american single malts Mm-hmm. That would be great. So um, we have some connections um, for all of you single malt distilleries. We got out. some connections, man. Yeah, we have Nick Brady Moss. <laughs> That's all we got. Uh, I was actually supposed to go up there today. Yeah. Why? Just to say hi. Drive up, say hi, and leave. Yeah. See the vault. Take the pub. The spirit vault. Yeah, take the take the pub. See the spirit vault. See the new just uh, still and be a boy. But yeah. If you want to do that, let us know if you think it's a good idea. Let us know if you'd pay like 15, 20 bucks to hang out with probably six to seven different uh, distillers, blenders, people like that, um, drink some whiskey, and be on a virtual platform. And if you're in Chicago, you can come do it in person. God damn. And we're figuring out how to do it without having your own earbuds in your ear listening. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Although we survived. We survived. We're still going. Hey, you know what? As long as the beer seller wants to Three years, back. man. Three years this month. Come on. That's huge. I guess. I mean, it's three years. It's like a thousand days. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the two-year, one-year? What's the one-year anniversary? That was in Beguile. That was only one year? Yeah. Whew. That was a lot that night. It was very early, actually. And we were blasted by seven o'clock. I remember being like eight o'clock and getting home be like... What? <laughs> and then the two year was when we sat on the cake last year. And yeah. then went to Jake's. Yeah. Played some pool. Blasted. Wilson fell asleep in an Uber while sitting outside of Jake's. Right now, we are going for number three. And what are we doing? We're. we're there we was a bar that we had talked to about doing it. I think they forgot that they agreed to that. So I think we'll just do it down in my basement again. Just where. Or where the blood goes do to you curl. Think, do you think there is a place to do it? I was going to say, mm. do you think our old school friend, um, Mr. Janke, would help us out? Yes, I think he would. But it also would be a Thursday night, mm -hmm. which is a big service night. Mm -hmm. It might, the karaoke might be a little loud. <laughs> That's what we're going for. <laughs> now we figure out. Or you, or do you mean do that, Mister Janky and Misty's house? No, 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 <laughs> no. I mean, if we're gonna do it at anyone's house, we gotta do it at Geo's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just thought of a place actually. No one's probably listening at this point, 
But um, <laughs> we had a venue offer us their their lounge as our recruiting, recording studio. Oh, of course we did. I don't know cool. how late we can stay there. That would be cool. Yeah. And it's huge. Well, if anybody's listening out there wants to offer a space, that's not your house. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go over and size. But we like have a house to do that in if we have to. Yeah. I'm guessing Jamie's a no. February's going to be big, man. Oh, it's yeah? It's going to be a good month. What else, what else is happening? Well, I'd say February, but like the next month, then we've also got Tim. We're going to have Tim come in from Lost Irish. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, my plan is to go down to bourbon fest in new orleans for a day yeah i have to i was planning on going all three days now it's gonna be a day Damn. um i will also be in kansas city in march to do some podcasts God damn. maybe with the kansas city whiskey guild they're good guys and some more people they're good guys patrick mahomes ever heard of him mm, i think he's still crying super bowl sunday Everybody have a good time. I think the big thing from this podcast for me is... Get your dick wet. Make sure you're enjoying what you're drinking, guys. Yeah. You know? Get back out to your local places if you haven't already and turn it back into the place it used to be. Personal steak. Personal steak.